0: Hello there, and welcome to the Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Orbin. Very special guest alongside us. We'll get to him shortly. First, though, Kendra, Minnesota United, the season is underway. Philadelphia Union 1 1 the scoreline uh, over the weekend. Uh, a really good result in a very difficult place to go.
1: Yeah, and I think, and Adrian, he said this post game. if you would have said to the team, the, the squad, we're going to come away with a point on the road at Philadelphia Union to open the season, you would have absolutely taken it. But then maybe a bit disappointing knowing how well Minnesota United played to not come away with three. But nonetheless, you're at the home opener now at Allianz Field against Nashville. You come home with a point. I think it's a fabulous way to start the season.
0: The reason... Or at least one of the reasons Minnesota United were able to preserve the tie in Philadelphia was because of the performance of the Minnesota United goalkeeper Tyler Miller, who joins us on Sound of the Loons. Tyler, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, always welcome. We're, we're going to put your communications degree to the test. Uh, we, we've we've done television with you already. This is yeah. now a lot more relaxed, but yeah. don't worry. We've got some plenty. We've got some really interesting questions for you. Uh, I'm going to grill you, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> get used to that and get ready for it. Um, in all seriousness, Philadelphia, it's a difficult place to go. How are so United able to preserve a point? What did you make of the performance at the Union?
2: Philadelphia is a, is a very challenging place to go. Like you said, um, opening day, there's a lot of emotions that go into it, and everybody's obviously excited for it. The crowd's there. Um, the conditions are always difficult. It's right on the river there, so it's very windy. The balls are whipping around. Um, but I think our team's mentality, the way we started the game uh, – has always been a thing that's been challenging to us the first five to ten minutes uh, of matches Sometimes we start a little bit slow and I feel like today this, this game uh, Against Philly we, we we came out really well We actually generated a, a really good opportunity with Luis in, in the first couple of minutes that we weren't able to convert but I think that set the tone kind of for the rest of the game that we were prepared to do whatever it took to To get a result um, and I think overall everyone's pretty happy with getting a point point. The opportunity to take three was there, but at the end of the day, if you can go away to a difficult opponent and get one point, you're you're happy with that.
1: Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because we asked Adrian last week in the podcast, why is it that teams struggle on the road in MLS? why is that? And he's like, well, if I could put my finger on it, I have a great answer. But you, you made a great point. The team started off on the front foot. So yeah. was there anything different in the pregame, in the, in the energy, in, in the locker room? Was there anything different? Or is it just maybe even getting an early chance like that, as you said, sets the tone on the road?
2: I think it's just the mentality. I think it, it begins with uh, how players warm up for the game and, and the the mental space that they're in and also being up to that first challenge. And not allowing yourself to to really get into the game 15 to 20 minutes in. Um, you know, I, I think that the first play can really set the tone for the entire squad, and, and uh, when somebody can make an important tackle or get an important opportunity make an important save, uh, it really sets the tone for the rest of the team, and we really thrive off that energy. So that's always a key factor for me is the first, first play, making sure it's sharp, making sure everyone's locked in men- mentally.
0: Did feel as though Tyler that the team were sharp and they were utterly prepared. Even those that had hardly had a preseason, somebody like a Di Debasi, for example, yeah. had, had not had much football at all. Yeah. There were changes in the lineup because of several injuries and a, a couple of other issues. Let's concentrate on on the back line. Yeah. The two centre halves were were phenomenal as always, but you had O'Neill Fisher for a, a Minnesota debut at right back and, and as we mentioned Debasi at left back. How did that change your mindset? How did you see the chemistry from, from those back four against the Union?
2: Well, all three of those guys, Bakai, Boxy, and BK, had a lot of playing time last year, and they, they they had a fluid partnership, I would say, whoever was playing in that, in that center-back pairing. So I feel like that helps going into this game, having all three of them on the field, they kind of understood what was expected of them. And then when you add a guy like Fish in there, he's a veteran right back, or he could play left back. But, I mean, he's been all around the league. He's played for some really successful teams, and so... I was never worried about what Fish could bring to this team. I know he's a, a very talented uh, right back and he gives us a lot of good depth there with Romain and so uh, going into this I think it's important to manage the emotions and I felt like our our back line was uh, smart in the way that they, they played out of the back but then also were cautious with the types of chances that they, they gave away um, because it's easy to get into this this running gun game, uh, especially with Philly, there was a moment in the second half where it was like five ten minutes straight where it was like okay R five go against your five and then your five go against R five, but I think everything settled down and towards the end of the game we have very veteran players and so we know okay if we come out of this with the point then we're all happy with that.
1: When you look at the back four, but then even just in front of that, Hassani Dotson, because I'm still trying to figure out Kervin Arriaga exactly in the the role he's going to play. He was clearly more attack-minded, but then you add a player like Hassani Dotson who has been in the system, has been around these guys, and he's sitting right in front of that back four. How vital is he in that holding midfield role, especially on the road like Philly when this game is sort of run and gun in the second half?
2: Yeah, Hassani was a a really important uh, piece uh, and a contributor to our back four. Uh, He gave us great shape. He also allowed for Kervin and Ray to have more freedom around the field. Kervin was making challenges on the left. He was bombing forward, getting into the box. He was was winning head balls. Uh, But knowing that you have Hassani Dotson there behind you, it gives those players more freedom because they know that they have such a solid player that can kind of lock it down for our team in that middle of the field because that's obviously a very important area. On the pitch, and if we're not winning those battles or, or having somebody that's really a key part of the foundation in that spot, then things can go awry very quickly.
0: I thought Kevin Arriaga really helped Minnesota on the half turn and transition. Not nice to have a player like that in the in the depth.
2: Oh, it's great when when you can have somebody that's getting forward out of that midfield position. All of a sudden it throws off the defensive structure. They're balanced. They're, they're having extra man in, in the back line. They don't know who's marking who. And when you have someone that's big, quick, I didn't, I didn't realize how fast Kerman mm-hmm. was because he hadn't really trained with us that much. And I see him bombing forward on a break and I, I tried to toss it to him. I, I wasn't sure if he was going to get there, but now I know I can put it out <laughs> more in front of him and, and I <laughs> trust that he, he has good pace that he can get on onto these balls. Um, but I think he's a phenomenal player that's going to really help our team throughout the entire season.
1: When you see some of these new guys that were out there, and we'll include Luis Amari in that, even though he had been here prior, but do you ever worry that these are guys that are going to just try so hard to make a first impression that their adrenaline is pumping, that you kind of see them, you know, you, know, you understand the excitement when you're yeah. playing for a new club and you want to make a good first impression. Even when Vongi got in there, yeah. you're like, he, he's bombing around and you just want him to kind of settle in. How, how do you help a player like that do that? But
2: at the same time, though, I would rather have a player that's too excited to play than somebody that's scared to play. Like, I felt like Bongi was taking guys one-on-one. He had that good opportunity where he tried Mm -hmm. to toe-poke it. Luis was getting forward. Kervin was bombing forward. And they're making big plays. So I would always rather have somebody that's going to go after it, knowing that, okay, we might get punished for this instead of playing cautious, and we still might get punished for it. So I felt that their energy that they brought to the team helped tremendously Especially in those first ten to fifteen minutes, when when we were able to play forward and get in behind and really make an impact on 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 Philly,
0: must be wonderful, Tyler, to look at the roster and see how deep it is at the moment. You you must feel as though there's really something quite special here.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's somewhere last year where we struggled a little bit. I mean, uh, we had fourteen, fifteen key guys, but really there wasn't any contributions like after that, that, that we're able to get into the team and become a mainstay and, and really push guys to continue to improve themselves. Because when you have 15 solid guys, it's great. They're comfortable. But then when their form starts to drop, there's no pressure from behind them. So we need to have guys that are in there putting pressure on the starters or, or coming in off the bench and making an impact. And, and that's how our teams, that's how, most teams are successful is by really having a full squad that can challenge each other for positions.
1: When well, you even looking at some of the young guys now, with a guy like a Justin McMaster, a Nabi Kubikuchi, uh you know, look, we can go down the list of guys now that have a Callum Montgomery that have been in with you guys, but they have another year under their belt. They maybe went on loan somewhere, and now they can kind of push that group as well. When you're talking about the depth, it's not just new signings.
2: No, no, there there are plenty of guys that return from last season that, that now know the expectations of our club, they know um, what it's going to take to get onto the field and stay on the field because anybody can get into one game but then it's all about how many times can you continually get out there, continually make an impact and and set your standard uh, and continually meet that goal to really uh, solidify yourself in in our squad.
0: We'll get to the, the depth in your part of the field here next um, but I'm, I'm interested to... Get your opinion on on Luis Samaria now as a player. Um, He was, in my opinion, much more raw when he first arrived at Minnesota United. Went over to Liga de Quito and scored a boatload of goals uh, in some humongous competitions in South America. Looks a lot more established now here at Minnesota United. Yeah, and I think he's a lot more comfortable here now the second time around. First time,
2: obviously, was very difficult in 2020. Played two matches and scored a couple goals. Um, But...
1: Then you went to Orlando and, and MLS Orlando. is back I, and pandemic. I, and honestly,
2: I forget about Orlando so much. I don't want to. It was such a. Hard, I think you're blocking it out. Yeah, I do block that out. I do block that out. But um, no, Luis is a very, very clinical forward. I mean, he's he's got a knack for just scoring goals. And uh, when you pair him with Fraga and Ray and Robin. Uh, or whoever is kind of in the, that front four, uh, we have a very dynamic attack now, and, and he's a great hold-up player. He can uh, get in behind. He's good aerial ability. So he's a, he's a strong forward that, that we know is just going to help our squad and really make everybody else have a little bit more freedom around the field because when you have somebody that up there that is dangerous all the time, They can't just hone in on Ray or Robin or Fraga. They have to respect what Luis can do as a player, and it gives the players around him more freedom to to be creative.
1: And to go back to that Philly game one more time, I mean, that's basically what happened on the goal. The fact that Luis continued on that run, drew a couple defenders, and allowed Robin that space. But it's it's crazy when you have four up front that are all dangerous from a goal perspective, how that can just make the defense – consider things completely differently and I think Luis is it's fabulous to have him back and he's always got a smile on his face I love that he shows up at training he's hes always saying good morning he's always got a smile on his face he looks like he's truly enjoying himself the second time here No, exactly
0: yeah. absolutely um, what's it like working with Stuart Kerr the goalkeeper coach at Minnesota <laughs> United because he's a lively character he is I, I may have had one or two beers with him in the past um, lovely individual one or two maybe <laughs> 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 um, he is for, for many different reasons he is viewed as the best goalkeeping coach in major league soccer I'm assuming that's a statement you back up
2: yeah I think Stu's a tremendous goalkeeper coach i mean we we have built a good partnership over the last two seasons and uh, it's all about the guys that we kind of have in our group as well we we've continually had some rotation in, in positions but I think that our goalkeeper group that we have this year is a really good group. Uh, we have, you have Dane, Fred, and Eric, um, who are all talented goalkeepers in their own aspect. And, and we we also get along very well. And so there there is this camaraderie and, and everybody's kind of in it together and, and Stu is uh, leading us kind of through it all. And I think that overall, uh, it's, a, it's a competitive position at the moment. Um, And so we're all trying to do our best to to show up every day and and really try to improve ourselves but push each other as well.
1: Do you ever think Stuart Kerr has to play a little bit of almost like a therapist role because you've got Fred who came in so young. You've got Eric Dick who's been in the league now for a bit but hasn't gotten a ton of of playing time. You as a veteran and played at LAFC and, of course, men's national team as well. And then you've got Dane who's a young goalkeeper but supposedly – could be the next best thing, and, and has also been called into the Canadian men's national team. So, how do you balance those personalities, those different ages, the different skill sets? If, you, if you're Stuart Kerr, how does he handle all that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's up to Stewart to decide that. But <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a good problem to have. I would say, uh, like I've obviously I've been around. I, I've went to Seattle and, and LAFC and had successful stints there, and then came here, and uh, you know, it, it was obviously not as I hoped and predicted it would be, but I've been able to settle my feet in last season and and really get back to, to what I've been capable of doing. And uh, when you have a guy like Dane, who I was on the sideline watching and I was, I was honestly, I was, I was like, okay, here we go. Now we have a true, true competition. Um, And I was happy for him, but at the same time I was like, I knew myself like, okay, I have to step up my level. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I focused on last season is when I wasn't starting to begin the last season, I was pissed. Mm -hmm. I was, I was mad, but I didn't allow that to get to me. I just channeled it into my training and, and waited my time. Um, and there were a lot of conversations that happened off the field as well, but I just put my head down and I went to work and, and ultimately that's what I knew I needed to do for myself. It wasn't about winning the position or Dane doing poorly or anything like that. It was, where do I need to put myself that if the opportunity comes around, I am ready to play. And that's what I focused on. Um, And then you have a guy like Eric on our team who he is like always happy to be here. Like just a smile on his face. is very quirky. He's he's a fun guy to be around and he brings a good mentality to the, to the group. But then he also can make some saves where you're like, wow, like I couldn't believe he made that save And, for somebody so big but so quick like he's got a very like strong foundation to build off of um and fred's fred's uh fred's funny i, I call him the king of blaine even though he's from even though he's from st paul i always <laughs> give him a little stick that he's from blaine um he's just a good guy i mean he's only at eighteen now, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's so young. If I could think back to where I was at eighteen, I was playing mm-hmm. on a farm in New Jersey. Like, and to be in a professional environment, he doesn't know like how good he has it. And it's it's great to see that these young guys are getting so many opportunities uh, at such young ages to just be in a professional environment. Because when I was that age, I would have killed to be. That was the first time I got into professional environment was when I went to DC United. I was eighteen, coming out of college, and it was the coolest thing. I have ever could do and then to for him to be doing it every single day is
1: since he was is, 15 yeah finally exactly. got his license exactly
0: <laughs> his mom was still dropping him off yeah, the
1: train <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's great it, kids this age they, they need to be doing this if we are going to continue to develop as a soccer nation we, we need kids yeah. playing in professional environments when they are Fred's age whether it's 16 17 or 18 how how good do you think he can be What what's his ceiling that's up to Fred I mean it's so much of this position
2: is about getting experience and playing. And so now we have the second team coming this year, which is going to be a great opportunity for him to play 20 to 30 matches in an entire year. And it's going to be the most he's probably played in a long time and it's televised and, and or streamed on the internet. And so there are people watching these games that are, are seeing what you're doing and it's up to Fred and how he prepares himself uh, to really get into these games and, when I was in Seattle, I, I, the first season I was there, I played uh, maybe like 15 games with the second team, and I was on the bench for every first team game, and the second season I was there, they said, you're going to play the majority of the second team games and not be on the first team bench. Even though I was the number two, I was, I was told that this is how I was going to develop, and initially I didn't like it, but then I fully embraced it, and that's when I started to develop and get a lot better, and then All of a sudden, at the end of that season, I'm playing in the Western Conference Final away at Houston, and we win 2-0. And that was part of the reason why I got that move to LAFC, was that performance there alone. So there are so many opportunities. It just depends on how you view them, the lens that you're going to view this opportunity. You can view it as, oh, I'm only playing with the second team, or you can say, hey, this is my opportunity to gain valuable experience that you can never gain in training.
1: Is that something you've conveyed to Fred as a veteran on this team and being the same position of, about the mentality of it and just how to em- embrace that as, as you did in Seattle?
2: I think that, that Fred's uh, done a good job of, of really getting into training. I think having a full season of training has helped him a lot, but kind of as the season goes along, I'll, I'll, I'll be there to help him, but I don't want to, to talk him through every situation. It's some situations, players just have to figure out on their own. And you can give them advice and it's up to them whether they take it, but you have to kind of allow players also to learn these lessons on their own. So if I see him doing something that I'm like, look, like, this is how I think you should do it. I'll, I'll offer that advice. But I think Fred has to kind of learn a, a few lessons on his own and, and really help him kind of mature in in, in this professional environment
0: honest with me here, we, we know the, the limitations of building a roster in Major League Soccer because of the salary cap. Yeah. Here we are on March 3rd. Are you surprised that both you and Dane St. Clair are still here on the roster? Um, slightly, yeah. I mean, when it comes
2: down to it, uh, there's a certain price that, that teams will pay mm. for players. And look, this is the business side of it. This is, this is how it goes, uh, but we can't allow it to be a distraction because at the end of the day, in our world, and you've seen this all around, like things can change instantly. A club could come in for me. A club could come in for Dane. One of us could get hurt, and it's all about trying to maintain the present moment and, and focusing on our job because our job is not to worry about – who's playing or or who's getting traded where our job is to to prepare ourselves to play any 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 game every day for training be ready and so look there's always conversations going on behind closed doors that the players don't even know about but uh we'll just have to see how how this all all works out but at the end of the day my my job is to to help our team win for as long as I'm here and Dane's job is, is to, to continually push in training, and then if he gets his opportunity to play, it's to do do the same things, help our team win.
1: One more quick one for me on, on that subject is, how do you channel that? A lot of things we all say, mm-hmm. easier said than done, yeah. right? So what, what away from soccer, when you're not on the pitch, you're not at training, you're not in a game, what helps you channel those emotions or, or keep you distracted from overthinking? You know... Aside from I've your never dog, got, I'm assuming I, you solve your dog.
2: I do have my dog, but <laughs> I've never, never solved a problem by overthinking about it. Eventually everything just works out. And it, it sucks to like say that because you're like, man, I want to know like what's going on right now. Like what's going to happen with my future. But like at the end of the day, like literally all of the stress, all the anxiety got me nowhere, but more anxiety and more stress. So if I allow that to consume me, I know that my performances will not be at the standard that, that I expect them to be. And so I just try to take the approach that I'm just going to play and let things work themselves out. Now, if, yes, there's going to be moments where I'm like thinking about it, but I just let it go. And I'm like, okay, when I show up to training, like really just training is all I worry about. So that's the best way for me, me to handle
0: this situation. Um let's move on, shall we? Um appreciate being so honest there, by yeah. the way. Um you had a, a short spell in Germany prior yeah. to yeah. The, the, the time in Seattle. What what happened there? Because I I know that was something that you wanted to do at the time. You were you were really yeah. focused on trying to play first team football. You ended up back at the Sounders. What what happened in, in those couple of months? Why did you end up back in, in the US? Well, uh my, my agent at the time,
2: uh he told me that I would go play for this fourth division team and then uh, I was supposed to to train with a second division team called uh, FCK in mm-hmm.
0: Um
2: And that never came to f- fruition. And so I was over there playing with this fourth division team that had just gone bankrupt, that got rid of all of their fourth division players. And surprisingly enough, the fourth division team has a second team that plays in like the seventh division. <laughs> so... <laughs> They replaced all of the, the fourth division players with players from the seventh division, and uh, I've said this many times, but like we gave up, I think fifty one goals. We scored two, and I got two red cards in thirteen games. <laughs> Thir- thirteen <laughs> games, fifty one goals, fifty one goals, and this was the standard that I that I was 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 just thrown into, and I had an opportunity to to sign uh in the MLS, like for a decent contract. Right. Um but uh, I I elected to to just take a chance and try this and you know, see what happens. And there was another like fourth division club that, that contacted me via Facebook of always and we am like, <laughs> Hey, we really like you. We want you to join our team. I just just like no thank you. And then I came back to the US. <laughs> well is that
0: Still an ambition of yours to perhaps go and play top-level football in Europe?
2: I would love to, but at the end of the day, like I see so many guys like going over there like Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, uh, Ethan Horvath, all of these young kids now too, and the game is getting a lot younger. And uh, in my position, obviously, goalkeepers with experience are always uh, a little bit more valuable and sought after. Um, so if the opportunity presented itself, then I, w- I would – I would jump at it, but it's not something that I'm like, so desperate to try that Mm -hmm. I'm going to put jeopardize the situation that I'm in, because I'm in a great situation The MLS is continually growing. And there's an influx of money and uh, great talent as well. Um, And so it's not something that that I'm rushing to do. If it came, then great. If it doesn't come at all, then
0: I would be very happy with playing my entire career in the MLS. You then went to the Sounders, as as we said. Um, I know you didn't necessarily get the playing time that you you wanted. You were young, and you had an array of good goalkeepers to to work under as well. I'm sure it was wonderful working under Stefan Fry. Uh, But what was that experience like at the Sounders?
2: It was uh, a great learning experience for me. Um, Because up to that point, I had been the starter everywhere I went. And then all of a sudden, to take take a back seat to that... Uh, and be the, the the second goalkeeper. It's a new role that I had to try to learn, and I didn't want to allow myself to, like, accept that role. So I continually pushed and tried to learn as much as I could from Steph and Tommy Dutra, the goalkeeper coach there, was just like, look, like, one goalkeeper's going to play, but we're all in this together. And that first year, uh, we won the MLS Cup, and... Afterwards, everyone is celebrating, but then all the goalkeepers are there together kind of celebrating, which I think truly showed how much like we were all in, invested in it together because, yeah, Steph might have played every single game except for, like, one that season. But we were all fully invested in the success of our group, and Steph's success uh, was our success off the field. And so I think that that, that was a great opportunity for me to really value the opportunity to play as well because I know what it's like to be the number two where you're like hoping for that one opportunity that one shot and so that continually motivates me to really do the work that nobody sees to put myself in the position to play.
1: How do you not overwhelm yourself with pressure when you're the second goalkeeper and you do get that one opportunity because it is such a a vital mm-hmm. position on the pitch. It's not like a field player that finally gets to step on the field, and if they make one mistake, have one turnover, whatever it might be, you know, you can kind of wipe it away pretty quickly and make a, a good, a good save or a, yeah. you know, a good play on the ball next. What, yeah. How as a goalkeeper do you do that? Is it when you get that chance? You
2: can't overthink it. I mean, uh, it's hard. Like my my first game, I played was Steph was had a slight injury Mm. and on my 23rd birthday i got thrown in there against salt lake and one to one great game all of a sudden the 87th minute high ball comes in the box and olave defender for salt lake big boy he's big (laughs) (laughs) i learned the hard way (laughs) he's like 225 pounds uh, (laughs) and he just towers over me and heads this ball in and we lose two to one and i was deflated um But I just use it as motivation. Um, And every opportunity you get is just uh, an opportunity to learn. Even now, like when I get into games and I make mistakes, like I'm okay, how can I learn from that mistake? And so as a young goalkeeper, it's like important to not really worry, like, or put too much pressure on yourself. uh, Because mistakes are going to happen to everybody. Even the most veteran guy is going to go out there and make mistakes. So if you – play like you're scared, more likely you're going to make a mistake. Mm. So it was just a great learning experience for me to just be like, okay, this might be a one-off game. It might lead to more, but just it's 90 minutes of a soccer game. And then you never know what happens from there.
0: Well, what happened was you got a a big move to LAFC. Yeah. And that's when I think everybody first really became aware of you and and how good you were. What did that move do for your career? and, And how much did you enjoy your time at LAFC?
2: The funny thing is I wasn't even meant to be the starter there. They yeah. had signed a Honduran guy
0: That's right. named
2: Buba, mm-hmm. who came in uh, with an injury and he wasn't able to return to play until like July. Mm-hmm. So I kind of fell into the perfect spot, even though it was never intended really to be mine. And so going into this, I was ecstatic and – our first game away against Seattle Sounders, <laughs> and obviously I'm like, okay, let's go. Like it's they let storm. Yeah. They let me go. I'm so excited to go back there and really prove to them what they kind of lost because I have that kind of mentality. I'm like, okay, like you don't want me fine. I'll come back here and beat you. And the first game I had a f- phenomenal game M- might've been like one of my best games for LAFC and, and we win one zero. Um, but then it comes in. Okay like you're talking about the one-off games where you play, you might have a fantastic game. You might have a terrible game. But how can you put together consistent performances throughout 34 games? That's what I really learned how to do, how to manage that, how to really be a professional on and off the field because it's easy to show up to training when you're the number two and nothing's really expected of you every single day. You're expected to be like okay but not – not nearly as like good as the number one or whatever, however you want to phrase it. But like, can you show up when things aren't going well off the field potentially and still put in a consistent performance? And so that's truly what I learned is how to kind of approach each game where good or bad, I know that my preparation will allow me to put in the most consistent performances and not really trying to overthink that aspect of it. Because if you start to be like, well, I didn't have a good game and I ate this, <laughs> But like I had a great game and I didn't eat this, so like okay, then I have to do like all of these things and it's like no, like I'm gonna find like my basis of what is going to help me be at this consistent level, stick to that, win or lose or draw, good performance or bad performance, learn from it, learn from the mistakes that I make, but not like start to overthink every single thing because then you start to drive yourself a little bit crazy and you just have to kind of like my dad constantly is reminding me, like just remain level headed. Mm-hmm good or bad because otherwise your emotions are like a roller coaster and when that happens and you celebrate every success or you're depressed after every loss like you're going to be all over the place and you're not going to have that steady growth that you need to be successful in our position.
1: How different was the environment in LA compared to Seattle? I mean Seattle had already had quite a bit of success. LA was the new the new thing on the block but a lot of money a lot of attention on those LA teams. How different was the the environment in LA versus Seattle?
2: Um, well, Brian Schmetzer is a very different coach from Bob Bradley. Um,
1: does that set the tone?
2: Yeah. Like, like Schmetzer is a very, very, uh, uh, obviously he's historically, his teams have been very successful. And then you go into Bob, Bob's training sessions where it's a different, different beast. And he's has high expectations for every single day and and really trying to cope with that and deal with that. Uh, can be tough for, for some guys, and that's something that I had to learn how to challenge myself to, to really show up every single training session. Not just show up on game days, because if you don't show up for five days out of the week or, or four days out of the week, whatever it is, all of a sudden your performances on the weekends are going to start to to falter. And so Bob really challenged me to, to show up to every single training session and really push myself in that aspect of my career, and I'm very thankful for that. Um. But uh, overall, just being on a brand-new team and the excitement in the city and, and uh, L- L.A., I mean, the, the fans really, they got into it. And it's a very hostile place to go and play. <laughs> I learned that last year. Um, but I, I really loved uh, playing, playing for them, playing in that city, and, and it, was a, it was a great experience for me.
0: What was it like to play alongside Carlos Vela?
2: The first jersey I ever bought <laughs> when I was a kid, I was a Vela Jersey from really? Arsenal. Yeah, I had him sign it. Um, but it's just a it's, – it's surreal to see the the goals that he can score and how simple he makes the game. And, like, his mentality, you'd think, like, he shows up to training. He's, like, always, like, so into it and, and, and like, really, like, fighting. But he's, he shows up and he just enjoys football. Mm. Like, he just enjoys being there. And when you have that childlike ambition and drive – I think that's when things start to come a lot more naturally to him or to anybody, and to him that just came naturally. Like he was just playing in the park and having fun.
1: When you get to witness his abilities firsthand every day at training since you're the goalkeeper for the club, and we watch it on television and we call games, and we're like, guys, you know he's going to get it on his left foot, and you know he's going to curl it to the back post, and you know it's coming. How frustrating is that as a goalie knowing exactly what he's going to do and you still can't get there?
2: It is. It's very frustrating. It's funny. that uh, We had uh, our game against them. He got the ball, cut in on his left foot, tried to curl it to the back post, and it went wide. <laughs> and I, I got up. I got up. I turned around and just smiled at him because we both, we both knew what he was going to do and what he was going to try to do. <laughs> and then he came in and and I made the save on him. But then he got the last laugh, scoring that that right footed of all of all of all things. All things. He scores with his right foot, a chip on me. Um, but you know he's he's a predictable player but at the same time he's unpredictable because he has that ability to to cut it back go to the near post and you don't want to be done done like that by him
0: Okay, uh, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org. I don't know if you're aware of this, but should you start on Saturday, no reason why you won't, it's going to be your 100th appearance in the regular season in Major League Soccer. When you look back on your career, after 100 appearances in the regular season, are you exactly where you thought you would be?
2: Exactly where I thought I would be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's so hard to predict. I thought yeah. I would come in and be starting right away. <laughs> mm. so, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, no. Um, but I'm very happy with the progress of my career. It's been a, it's been a challenging, uh, career for seven, eight years. Um, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of trials and tribulations. And, and I feel like anytime I've been handing, handed a little bit of adversity, I've always bounced back and, uh, really responded in, in a strong way. And so I'm proud of myself and the way that I've really continued to kind of push myself and, get past the the challenges along the way um but uh you know I I am pretty happy with with reaching this 100 100 career uh starts or appearances but you know we'll see we'll see how many I'm hoping to play for another 10 to 12 years maybe maybe get to them 40 we'll see (laughs)
1: Well, you talk about trials and tribulations and coming off the Illini Health read. We haven't even talked about the double hip impingement surgery, which might be part of why you've blocked out MLS's back in Orlando. But what did you learn from that kind of an injury, and what made you decide to have that at that moment as we talk about 100 appearances in the regular season and you wanting to play for 10 or 12 more years?
2: Well, when I met the hip surgeon, he said, look, your hips are in a position where if you don't get the surgery, you could be done in three years. And I was like, okay, that's pretty much. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> There's my answer. Like, I have to do this. Like, and it's been night and day. Like, the ability to just kind of sit here and be able to relax. Like, in the long, longest time before this, like, I wouldn't have been able to to sit comfortably. Hmm. And so uh, to to come off that, I really just learned a lot about my body. One, which I think every professional should understand their body, and most professionals do have a good understanding of their own body, but the little things that I needed to be doing in the gym and how I needed to, to, to kind of prepare my body to perform what it needs to do, uh, it, it really helped me to kind of set me up kind of to, to be successful and, and understand that and make sure everything's firing
0: properly. One more question, um, which I'm going to ask you about the national team, before we we have to move on to talk about Nashville. We're trying to limit these to 45 minutes. We could sit here and talk for hours. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So um, the, the national team, um, yeah. I know you had a, a sniff in the past. Yeah. The, the goalkeeping pool at the moment is, is unbelievably deep, probably the deepest it's ever been on the national team. And the One thing the, the U.S. has never struggled with is developing goalkeepers, but yeah. <laughs> at the moment it's unbelievable. But I'm assuming the national team is, is still very much on your mindset. Of course. I mean, to get
2: so close to my first cap, and not get it, yeah. it was gut-wrenching. Like, it really affected me more than I thought it would. But to be with the team for six weeks and not get my first appearance, like, it was everything I ever dreamt of as a kid. And and to, to, to be so close to it but not get it, it got to me a lot. And and I really had to just rechannel channel myself and, and accept and just move on. And so, you know – Look, if the opportunity comes back to, to get into the national team, obviously, like, you have guys that are performing at high levels with, with uh, Matt Turner and Zach Steffen, and they're the standard right now. And so it's like if I want to get back in there, then that's the standard that I had need to raise my level to. Um, I think I, I bring good qualities to, to the team and, and, and whatnot, but at the end of the day, it's Greg's decision. Um, and if I'm in there or if I'm not in there. Like, I'm obviously rooting for the guys and, and very happy to see them be successful. And so it's amazing to see. And so it's competitive, but we'll see how the season goes. And and you never know. At the end of the year, there's a World Cup, and hopefully we qualify for it in March. Start, We have to start there, and then from there, you never know.
0: Don't
1: even think about the U.S. not qualifying
0: for another World Cup. I was going to go into a
1: whole other men's <laughs> national team discussion, but we'll try to keep it. We'll move on to Nashville. <laughs> it's another one we could talk about.
0: Well, well, the one thing I want to ask you again uh, about is, is playing at Allianz Field. It's the home opener this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. It always is. Yeah. Uh, as a player, what, what is it like being out on the field and, and hearing the Wonderwall and hearing the stadium being as vibrant as they are?
2: It's exhilarating. Like, this is the reason that we love playing this game is the opportunity to walk out in front of your home crowd and just hear them chanting and the excitement and uh, being able to to deliver a performance for them that rewards them, especially when the weather's not going to be nice. And people are still going to show up, and they're going to be excited to be there chanting. I mean, you saw how many people showed up for the national team when it was, like, windshield and negative. And so... For people of this climate, they embrace that, and so it's our job to embrace that as well. Um, I know everyone's excited for it, and it'll be a really fun opportunity against a really strong opponent.
1: You've played in some pretty phenomenal stadiums, and when when the new guys get to come and tour the stadium, which I think they did recently, yeah. but it's empty, obviously, and yeah. there's probably still snow around. What, what's that like the first time you walk out on Allianz Field when you play for Minnesota United? What's, what's that feeling like?
2: It's a it's a special feeling. Um, you could just you can just feed off the energy kind of that everyone brings. They're they're very uh, supportive supportive uh, fans, um, but they have high expectations. And so uh, I think over the years, uh, for them to stick through some some of the the first few years of this club were definitely I think difficult for a lot of people. Um, but now they're starting to reap the benefits of staying around and seeing. And so now it's time for us to take that next step of really delivering a solid season for them and getting some sort of trophy or, 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 or because that's what this club should be about. It should be about winning and it should be about investing into the team and the players and the facilities and stuff like that and
0: giving the city something to celebrate. We're really looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be wonderful, the home opener is. But you mentioned the opponents, Nashville. They frustrate, they irritate, they eradicate chances. They are an extremely difficult opponent to break down. I'm assuming you're expecting patience to play its part on Saturday? Yeah. I think
2: managing the game is, is going to be a smart smart tactic and really feeding off the energy of the crowd but not getting too sucked into everything. Um, knowing that we have 90 minutes to win the game, um, not trying to win it in the first 10, 15 minutes, and all of a sudden getting on the counter because they have a dangerous counterattack with with Mukhtar and CJ Sapong and uh, some of the guys coming out of their midfield. Um, And set pieces, they are going to be vital because this team is big. They have strong guys in the air, and we know that any time the ball is close to our area and – on a, on a direct free kick, it's coming into the box, and so making sure that we are strong and we're locked into to where we need to be and positioned well and early, so that way there's no surprises.
1: When you talk about, you mentioned Hani Mukhtar, you know, in in the conversation last year for MVP of the league, and he wasn't short on goals or assists for that matter. What makes him so difficult when you have a, a number 10 or an a attacking player like that from your standpoint?
2: Well, he shoots from anywhere, and he's not <laughs> afraid. He does not get deterred at all. And so whenever you have a forward that, that is taking any opportunity, can to put the ball on on target, you never know what's going to happen. So I know that it's going to be important for me to be ready at all times. But at the same time, we can't focus all of our attention on Mukhtar because all of a sudden they have another forward who scored, I don't know how many goals last year, but he had a decent amount. And so uh, it's going to be important to, to really make sure everybody is disciplined in our defense and –
0: Know that we're in for a fight for for the entire game do do we expect that from Nashville? then you mentioned it earlier on Tyler in the sense of them absolutely being okay, out of possession, being organized, and then counter pressing when necessary.
2: yeah, I think that they probably are a team that does better without the ball, yeah, so just to be honest with you that they they want us to take chances, they want us to take risks because they are so confident in their defense that they can turn any opportunity for us into an opportunity for themselves, and so really making sure that we're disciplined and we're organized off the ball or on the ball. When we have the ball, we have to make sure we have proper defensive markings because if we're not, then all of a sudden, two or three passes, they can be uh, down our throats.
1: Who's most important in front of you in that scenario when you, when you play like team like Nashville who's comfortable not having the ball, they're away from home, you saw what they did to Seattle. Who's most important in front of you in positionally to get uh, that done?
2: I would say that the, the the two center backs and, and the holding midfielder. They're, they're all right there. They can see everything that's going on in front of them, and they can be positioning guys to, to be in the proper um, spots that we need to on the field and to, to to break down any any chance of a counterattack.
0: One more from me, Tyler. Um, Emmanuel Reynoso, we, we have the privilege to watch him. You have the privilege <laughs> to train with him. He, he At times, it's like stroking silk watching him play football. He does it effortlessly. It's incredible. Yeah. How special of a player can he be?
2: Uh, I mean, he's got everything. He's got everything that you need to be a top-quality player, and so it's uh, it's up to him to truly really put it together, and, and it's our job to try to help him and, and give him the most support and freedom to, to really go out there on the on the pitch and thrive, and everybody knows about him now, so there's no more secret. So it's the job of everybody else to be that supportive player and, and take some of the pressure off him so that way he can go out there and just
0: enjoy it. Okay, Um well, I lied. One more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a question. Just, if you would, just uh, before we finish the podcast, a, a word to the fans listening.
2: Well, thank you to everybody that uh, is here listening to Sound of the Loons. And
0: uh, we really look forward to seeing you guys at Allianz Field on Saturday. Wonderful. All eyes then on Saturday. Tyler Miller, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks to D St. Albin, our expert button presser, Evan Entler, as well. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody for the home opener, Saturday afternoon, Minnesota United hosting Nashville SC.